What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to a second episode of Ball Hawk Talk. I'm your host, Adam Boys. I'm joined here along with Lima Ben again. We haven't been here in a couple of weeks, so I thought we could just kind of recap that Super Bowl week. Wasn't the game I was looking for. I lost a ton of money. That wasn't the shootout I was hoping for. Mahomes got destroyed, and Brady got another ring, much to my dismay as a Dolphins fan. Uh, so how's everyone doing today? I'm great. I was, I was worried in that game that watching it that Mahomes would get the media all over him about having a bad game, which clearly isn't what happened. Uh, and it was good to see that everyone realized how great he was in that game, despite not having the stats or anything. He made some of the most unreal throws I've ever seen, um, but the results yeah. just weren't there for him. Yeah, that, that one incompletion is probably the greatest incompletion of all time. The fact that David and Williams, who it was, dropped in the end zone was just heartbreaking. Like that would have been probably the best completion I've ever seen in my life. So, Damian oh, Williams. Damian Williams at home. It was, yeah, what's it? Darrell Williams, I think. <laughs> they're, they're both the same, same last name, same start of the name. So, we've had a pretty big week in the NFL, to be honest. That Carson Wentz trade has been the big headlines. Carson Wentz kind of had a terrible situation in Philly. Had that 2017 MVP caliber season, riddled by injuries. And then this year, they drafted Jalen Hurts and kind of put him in the doghouse. And then that situation was dealt poorly. That management's kind of kind of messed up, so hopefully they got some management, but Carson Wentz gets traded to the Colts for a second and a third round pick with a condition that second round pick to turn to him first, so I'll hand it over to you guys. What are your thoughts on this trade? Yeah, I can kind of start it off, so I was thinking about this trade a little bit, and and <clears throat> from analyzing from the Colts' perspective, is it, there's not that much risk, right? Yeah. Like giving a second and a third, conditional second, um, to get a potential franchise change in QB. But for me, the risk is more in the sense of like they are really con- well constructed, phenomenal O line. They're missing a couple of playmakers, but phenomenal defense. Um, I think the risk is more in the sense of okay, who really cares about the um, what you're sacrificing to get them? But it's 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 the year. If this experiment goes wrong and Wentz is is horrible next year, you're wasting a year of Nelson. You're wasting a year of Leonard. Um, if, if Chris Ballard is incorrect on this, on this trade, and instead of getting Trey Lance in the draft or, or going um, a Mariota or, or, or seeing Winston, um, if, if he's wrong, you know, he's, it's, it's definitely a screw up, but I definitely Yeah. Imagine this team, if they still had Andrew Luck. Oh my God. That's probably the best. They would, be, they would have had a Super Bowl in one of the past oh, yeah. couple of years, I would think. Oh yeah. Great defense. Maybe not the wide receivers or playmakers on offense, but they've got a great offensive line. And that's just a great team with Andrew Luck, who would have been a generational quarterback if he was still healthy. But uh, unfortunately, that's not the case for all of us. Exactly. Yeah. If Carson Wentz is that 2017 form, they're, they are a contender in the Super Bowl. They're one of the best events in the league, best line. Jonathan Taylor's a beast. If Carson Wentz can turn back to that 2017 form, which he had with Frank Reich, who is that play caller in Indianapolis, this is a Super Bowl contending team. And another note is they're not absorbing his 37 million or what, $35 million contract. They only took down on 25 million. The Eagles take a 32 million dead cap hit. So the Eagles are taking some risk in this too, because they're still paying a lot for Carson Wentz to get rid of him. And I just think it's a good trade for the Colts. That Colts offense is very similar to that Eagles offense in 2017. They have a great O-line, great run game. They run a lot of play action and pre-stat motion, which is how Carson Wentz needs success in the past. He gets outside the pocket. If Carson Wentz has to sit in the pocket, he's going to struggle. So Frank Wright can get him out in the open, get some playmakers for him. I think it's a good trade, but 
there's not a lot of risk. You're giving up a second and a third. So it's not like he, Chris Ballard didn't move and give him a first round pick. I just want to give a little shout out to uh, Naomi Osaka for winning the Oz, uh, Australian Open today. Or, um, big, big dub. I mean, it was uh, one of my good buddies, Connor Gilhuli's birthday yesterday. So we, we had a drink or two or 17. And uh, <laughs> at, at 5 a.m., we, we were watching the tennis. So just want to give a little shout out. Big dub for her. Yeah, so I thought before we kind of get, got into our main conversation of the day, we kind of just give an outlook in the NHL. Saturday night, Saturday night hockey is probably probably one of the best times to be a hockey fan. We had the Leafs and the Canadians. I'm a big Leafs fan, so it's something you really, you really hope for. That This game I'm really excited for. I think it's going to be a very high-scoring game, but I'm going to take the Leafs, but I'm going to hammer that over tonight. <laughs> BMAC, you got the Leafs as well? Buddy, I'm a Leafs fan. Of course I got the Leafs. Oh, They're the best team no. in the league right now. Yeah, I'm going to go Easy. over. My dad's got a golf simulator, so I'm going to go over, hit some balls, watch the Leaf game, and yeah. Oh, sounds like a good night. What are the what are the odds yeah. on an Austin Matthew goal? Are they even now? Is that how absurd he's gotten? That it's probably, he's probably like minus one ten to score a goal now. I would I would think they're even like <laughs> they have, worse they have than to be, that. It's yeah, got to like, be like minus one fifty, one sixty. He's on pace for fifty five goals in a fifty six goal game season. Like I don't think he gets any more insane than that. So, like we talked about last episode, we are going to have a main conversation each week. Last week, we talked about the Deshaun Watson rumors. Today, we're going to kind of take a different approach. We're going to stick in that football mindset. But we're going to talk about the best constructed NFL teams. And this is from a general management standpoint, a coaching standpoint. We're going to take our take and which teams we think are the best constructed. So, we're going to start off the conversation. I'm going to pick my favorite team. BMAX will take his team and Will will take his. And then at the end, we're going to pick a consolidated best NFL team how we think is the best team in the league. So, Willie, why don't you start it off? I know you have a great conversation for us that we're going to have probably a heated debate. So, why don't you get going on your best constructed team in the NFL? There we go. So, uh, we talked about this question a little while back ago at the start of the week. And, you know, I started doing my research, you know, what, what team can I possibly choose? Um, so, going through each team, uh, the construction I looked at specific areas. So one of the first things is you can construct a team three ways, draft, free agency, trade. And the most important qualities in a well-constructed team to me was great offensive line, solid quarterback, either elite defensive line or linebackers, strong secondary and decent weapons. So the team I came up with, and I believe is the best constructed team. That Don't do this. <laughs> is the Dallas Cowboys. Oh um, my, come on. It, 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 it pains me as much to say this it. This is so stupid. <laughs> like <laughs> this better be convincing or you might have to get kicked off this podcast after this take. So, okay. Don't, don't, don't get me wrong. <laughs> I'm not a, I'm not a Dallas fan by any means. Dallas fans are almost as bad as Toronto Maple Leafs fans, but okay. Easy. Um, <laughs> I, one thing like I was talking to you about, and I was talking to one of my buddies is, Dallas Cowboys fans, they say every single year they're going to win. They're going to win. This is the year. This is our year. And coming into this past season, I was living with a Cowboys fan. He was saying, okay, this is the year. We're going to win it all. And I'm like, uh, you don't have the secondary. Um, I, I thought they were missing a couple pieces uh, in their secondary. That You know, they had not not the best safety. Uh, and their corners were, were, were very lackluster. So I wasn't the biggest fan of the Cowboys coming into the season. But as you know, things kind of unfolded in a very uncertain way. And when starting my research... Uh, I was actually stunned um, at their corner depth. 
So it, when you look at their corners, they have Brandon Carr. They had Jadobia Woozy. They have Jordan Lewis. I'm sure if you guys know Jordan Lewis, third round pick from 2017, he surrendered 5.5 yards per target, which is the which ranks third in the NFL among qualified corners who made more than Jeez. 10 starts behind Jer Alexander and Jalen Ramsey. They also have Jeez. Xavier Woods. Uh, sorry if I'm saying this right or wrong. Uh, Savion Smith and Anthony Brown. So none of these guys are, are world beaters. None of these guys are amazing, but you know, they're good, solid corners. Um, didn't they take Trayvon Diggs in the second round too? Plus yeah, my that's the guy I was thinking. <laughs> yeah. And Trayvon Diggs. So they have a bunch of, their secondary is not horrible. Now you're about to plop in either Farley or certain. That's going to be interesting. So you're about to put a number one corner in in that system. Now I'm not expecting too much production from a rookie cornerback, but yeah. should be decent. Um, I think their team needs. Um, on now talking about their defense, they have uh talent in their linebackers. They have Landon Vanderess and Jalen Smith. Yeah, uh, Jalen Smith had a quiet year last year. Hope to see him uh, come back. Um, I think they need their uh, a defensive tackle or a strong edge that they can pick up in free agency. But they have 19. 0.356 mil in a uh, um, cap room. So they, and Jerry Jones is willing to, to do anything. To, Jerry to, Jones. To, don't they still got to resign Dak? Yeah. Okay, yeah. They, they still got to resign. have any cap room. Yeah. <laughs> that's actually, uh, that, that is a good point. I will, if they do franchise him, I'm not sure how, how much that's going to be. Probably franchise a lot of money. It's yeah. I don't, they have an edge, but like DeMarcus Lawrence is getting older. Uh, like they, Melvin Gallimore was like defensive tackle out of Oklahoma in the third round last year. He had a, he had a quality like rookie year. I don't think he's going to be an elite defensive tackle, but I think he is someone that's going to start. So that's a start, but I like, I like the take that you're kind of explaining. Um, I just don't think their defense is there, but carry on. I kind of want to see where this conversation goes from your standpoint. So, so let, let, let me, uh, yeah, I, I got a couple more points. So, All right. um, I think that they do need to – I think you guys are right. They need to fix up the defensive line, either with an edge or defensive tackle, and I think they can do that via free agency. Um, I think that their O-line, uh, phenomenal. In 2019, yeah. their O-line and sacks allowed allowed 1.4, which is which was second in the NFL. Yeah. Last year, it, it, they finished 20, 26th in the NFL. So. Yeah, they lost – Zach Martin and Tyron Smith were both injured, I believe, last year. So those are the two – best off like one of the best offense linemen in the game so that definitely hurt them so they have doc they have the weapons on the outside i'm not oh, even yeah. talk about their wide receivers because there's no point they have one healthy arguably top three best o-line o-lines in the entire nfl and i think yeah. that they should drop this, uh, an o-lineman in the second round uh this year because there's significant depth and then you have that defense who you're about to plop in a star corner and hopefully you fix it up with a couple of free agent acquisitions now tell me how this team isn't a Super Bowl contender next year. Like, like honestly, they have probably the most highest octane offense in the entire yeah. NFL. I, I would, on no joke, be scared to, to bet on the Chiefs or Cowboys who would get more points in a given night. Yeah, I mean, I get that. They also have Zeke. Didn't, like, Zeke's probably one of the best running backs in the league when healthy. Uh, so they, ha they have those weapons. It's just... And the thing is, I think they can make a Super Bowl run is because of that division. They have the Eagles football team. Like, they don't yep. have a good division. So that they can win a division and get a home playoff game easily, like, every year. Uh, Washington's on the uprise. Like, they had, a, they had a good run in the playoffs. But the Cowboys should be that favorite in the division just because of that offense. They have Amari Cooper. Uh, Michael Gallup might get traded this offseason. They have CeeDee Lamb, Zeke. 
Dak Prescott, who was putting up video game numbers before he got injured this year. So, question though, like I know you're going to say their defense, but where in I, I just stated their defense, they don't have a bad secondary. Their secondary is not horrible. It's young though. That's the only like young secondaries. Like your top two corners are going to be Trayvon Diggs and yeah. Patrick Satane, who are first and second year corner going up against number one receivers in the league. That's the only concern is rookie cornerbacks are so hard to come to the league and be successful. Look at Jeffrey Okadua. He was the number one consensus cornerback on the board, taking a third overall, and he struggled. He's a very talented cornerback, but it's going to take a while. It takes a while for cornerbacks to develop in the league. Uh, BMAC, what are your thoughts about their defense? Yeah, there's a lot of – on that defense, there's a lot of injury-prone players too. Leighton Vander Esch and Jalen Smith are kind of the backbone of that defense. If they're healthy, could be a very good defense, but that's a big if. If they're both healthy, that's a lot to ask. Um, also, those corners, safeties, again, same with Adam. I don't know how I feel with them. They're young. They might be okay, uh, but they're not going to be elite at that level either. I don't think they're elite on the defensive line. I, I just don't think it's going to be a good defense. But I do agree that offense is going to be ridiculous and that went in today's NFL. So. Yeah, exactly. Like they don't have that defense, but that offense can put up 40 points on a given night and that division's gettable. So it's, I know it's kind of out there to say they're Super Bowl contenders, but I think they can make a deep run in the playoffs because that division and you can get a home playoff game and anything can happen when you get in the playoffs. And with the worst division in football, all you have to do is get in the playoffs. And from there, it's a three game, four game season. So imagine they got Earl Thomas. Where is that guy? They do not have the cap. Yeah. Sign Earl Thomas to a veteran minimum, call it a day. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. They just don't have the cap. And that's exactly what happened to them losing Byron Jones of free agency. Like that was probably the biggest loss for them because he was one of their, he was their best corner by far. He's one of, he's a top 10, top 15 cornerback in the league. And they just didn't have the money. So like one of these people's rookie deals, like Leighton Vandross, I'm not sure if he's got extended. Jalen Smith, I'm not sure if he's on a big deal yet. But that's their thing. They're so cap crunch and cap heavy. They relied on so many players, like big players. And that, like, their offensive lines, like, very highly played. Zach Martin, Tyron Smith make a crap load of money. So I think that's a concern. But like you said, they're ball constructed because they have that amazing offense and they have pieces on that defense. It's just they're young and they're not. I don't think they're there yet in the defensive front. They should put everything in this draft and just drafting defense. They always go out and take weapons. Like they took CeeDee Lamb because he fell. I think that was a good pick. But they just need to focus on defense because they have that offense to compete in the, the NFL. Which one of you lads want to? I, I can take it. I can take it away. So the way I kind of took an approach, I had three, three or four decision variables. So I, I first looked at coaching. Then I looked at trench play, so defensive and offensive line. And then I looked at playmakers. My last thing was a QB. Every sexual team has a talented QB. So it's hard to pick a team that's the best constructed without that very good, talented QB. So the team I took is the Los Angeles Rams. So I'm going to start with coaching. They have Sean McVay. Sean McVay is considered probably one of the best offensive lines of football. He is a very good communicator, and his players love playing for him. They lost Braden Staley in the offseason, so that's a big loss to defensive coordinator, but they're, they are promoting their defensive line coach, who is very talented um, as a defensive line coach. So that was my first decision variable. The Rams are very well coached. The next thing I looked at is trench play. So offense and defensive line. There's, the Los Angeles Rounds had the third-ranked PFF-ranked offensive line in the league. They projected golf at a high rate, 
in their offense did stagger with golf, but now they're inserting Matthew Stafford in that offense. And basically what this PFF is right off, it's based off how many times you're sacked per game in pass and run block win rate for the, for the offensive line. So I think they're very talented offensive line. They can dominate the line of scrimmage. And we saw that in the Bucks Super Bowl win. They dominated the line of scrimmage every single possession. And they blew up probably one of the best teams in the league. The next thing I look at is playmakers. The Rams have playmakers all across the defense and the offense. Their offensive receiving core goes from Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, and now they're inserting Cameron Akers, who had a big, big playoffs and a big end of the season. So those are three talented people on the offensive side. The last thing I looked at is defensive playmakers. They have Aaron Donald. Beside of Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Donald is probably the most impactful player on a football field. Would you guys agree with that? That's fair. So you have you Aaron. Name a couple of the quarterbacks, but yeah. Yeah. So I think he's Aaron Donald has won defensive player of the years at like three years in a row, like four, four out of five years. He's been like, I think he's won like four or five times, but whatever. So he's a very impactful player. They have Leonard Floyd, who gets after the quarterback. They were top 10 in sacks last year. So they dominate the defensive line. And then when you look at trench play from a defensive side, they were the best run defense in the league. They averaged only 95 yards per game allowed on the on, on their run. So the last thing I looked at is yeah, playmakers on the defensive side. So you have Jalen Ramsey. Jalen Ramsey is a, is a game changer. He's a shutdown corner and arguably the best corner in the league. So when you combine coaching with offense and defensive trench play, and then you have playmakers like Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey on the defensive side, that's why I think they're the best constructed team in the NFL. The one thing that worries me about the Rams, I do agree they have a lot of great playmakers. Um, but if injuries start to hit, they haven't had draft picks really since golf. They haven't had a first-round pick since golf. Now they've had a lot of second-round picks and stuff. But if some of those players get injured, who's the next man up? Yeah, it, that, I think that's the concern I had when I was looking at it. They don't have future. But when you look at the Rams, where they've made their money is being late in the draft. Yes, they lost their scout to the, the Lions, their GM, Holmes who's found a lot of these studs in the third round, but they found people like Cooper, Cooper Cup in the third round, Ubacom in the third round. They find a lot of people late in the draft that are able to play on cheaper deals. So I think, yes, they don't have many first round picks, they don't have that depth, but if they can continue to hit in second, third, and fourth round picks, I don't see why not they can contend for the Super Bowl next year, especially inserting Matthew Stafford into a Sean McVay offense. It's tricky. Like when you, when you talk about coach, like coach changes the construction of a roster right like uh when you have sean mcveigh it's almost not fair like who, who would rather have russell wilson or sean mcveigh honest question who, who would you guys rather have if you were if you were to start a team right now russell wilson or sean mcveigh probably russell wilson but i i mean sean mcveigh changes the team because the system he implements he like jared goff made the super bowl not offense and jared goff made the super bowl was honestly one of the best in the league they didn't have an amazing um, that good of a defense they did now when they played the Patriots in the Super Bowl and lost 10-3, they had one of the most talented offenses in the league because of Sean McVay. And Jared, Jared Goff was leading that offense as well. I'm excited to see what McVay can do with Stafford with a yeah. big, big arm. People forget yeah. this about Stafford. He has a massive arm and he can make some of those Mahomes-like throws. You just haven't seen it as much because he hasn't really been in the playoffs at all. Um, hopefully he's not hurt. Uh, he's been hurt the past couple of seasons a bit, banged up uh, behind a bad offensive line. But uh, this offense with now being unlocked 
with Matthew Stafford could be very good. Yeah, like Matthew Stafford, I think is so underappreciated and so underrated because the things he did in that that Detroit offense, Detroit offense, like was didn't have much talent. He just never shined because he didn't have a good defense. Now you're giving him the best defense in the league, who's gonna give you good field position. And Matthew Stafford is not gonna make mistakes when he has short field. He's a very talented QB. He's very accurate. So when that defense gets stops, they're gonna get him short field. He's gonna be successful. Another thing I didn't really mention when I was kind of going on about it is special teams. Special team is a very important part to a football game. Special teams can win you games because of field position. Johnny Hecker is the best punter in the league, and he flips field like no tomorrow. He flips that field. He, he punts like 65 yards on average. Like he flips fields for that, that, Rams, that Rams offense, the defense, so they have good starting position. So they have a very good special teams, and they're going to put Matthew Stafford in good positions. So I think if Matthew Stafford can play like he did in Detroit, I think the Rams are Super Bowl contenders, and they would be one of the favorites to win next year. Absolutely fair. Absolutely fair. Yeah, I agree. Special teams is very important. You'll see that uh, with the team I pick, they also have probably one of the best uh, special teams in the league. Well, let's get to it, Bima. Let's, let's go on. Let's, uh, so we, we have to say your piece. All right. So my favorite team and the best constructed roster in the NFL is the Baltimore Ravens. They have a top three quarterback, a top three offensive line, a top three running back group, a top three defensive back group, and maybe a top five linebacker group. Uh, they also have a pretty good D-line, but uh, a lot of those may be leaving in free agency. Uh, we'll see what happens to Judon, McPhee, Nindakwe, and Tyus Bowser. Uh, hopefully they resign a couple of them and keep that elite defense uh, together. So getting started with their offensive line, they have Ronnie Stanley and Orlando Brown, probably the best O-tackle group in the NFL, both rated as top seven offensive tackles. Now, the interior line may not be quite as good, uh, but Lamar Jackson helps keeps keep the defensive lines honest uh, with his running ability. This is also an offense that was possibly the best in the NFL in 2019 without having to pay wide receivers. They had Marquise Brown and Willie Sneed as their top two options, probably the worst wide receiver group in the NFL, and they still succeeded. So the Ravens have found an inefficiency at the position, uh, not having to pay that position and still having a lead offense. What are your guys' thoughts on the Ravens? I think they're, they are a very good constructed team. I like they have two very good tackles. I think that the question mark is Orlando Brown is if he wants to trade, he wants out because he wants to play. Is it right or left? I think it's left tackle, right? He wants to play left tackle. Left tackle. So I think that's the question mark. I don't think they should move him because having two elite tackles in the NFL is so crucial. Tackles are one of the most valuable positions in the NFL. If you can have two elite tackles like the Ravens, your offense will be successful. I know you said you don't want to pay someone like Galladay or Godwin, but I think a a weapon missing that offense is kind of a big body receiver. They have Marquise Brown, who's like a downhill, like a downfield threat. But I think they need someone. Like I think Allen Robinson, I know he's going to be expensive. I think that would be a perfect fit on that offense just because it gives Lamar Jackson a big body receiver with big hands who's been successful with arguably the worst quarterbacks in the league. I think Allen Robinson is one of the most underrated and one of the most – he's an elite receiver in my opinion. So I think if they got him in that offense, it gives Lamar a big body to – like receiver to throw it to when he's scrambling or when he's outside the pocket just gives him a reliable – receiver that's not Marquise Brown that's not a tight end in Mark Andrews 
I completely agree. And, and one thing that uh, I'm also a Ravens fan, by the way. And w- one thing that I think BMAC, you, you kind of uh, hit the nail on the head is you can't be just throwing away your money at the wide receiver position. Kind of, okay, let's just sign Goodwin because, uh, sorry, Godwin, because he, you know, he, he's good, whatever. Um, I think you have to um, determine what exactly type of wide receiver you need. So for example, you, you Boyd is talking about a big body type of guy who can, you know, get the, get the jump balls or, or someone like Kenny Galladay. I think you can't just whatever wide receiver you, you put in there. Cause I think they really, really do need that guy. So it's it has to be strategic. Team. Yeah. I think another good option for that receiver position is adding in the draft, like bringing it into that in a bit, but someone like Rashad Bateman or someone like Terrence Marshall, like a big body receiver who's been successful in college at being a one-on-one receiver and a big body threat. I think that's something they could be, useful and if i think they get that one more piece on offense they're gonna be so successful that running offense with lamar jackson jk dobbins who had a very good end of the season is so elite if you can get someone like alan robinson like rashad bateman like that in the draft you have that big body receiver that they're going to keep defense offense you're going to have a downfield threat marquise brown then you have mark andrew who's a a matchup nightmare he's one of the best he's one of the best he's like he's an elite tight end probably top I'd say he's the fourth best tight end in the league. I'd probably go Waller. I mean, sorry, like Kelsey, Kittle, Waller, and then probably put him that conversation at four. If you... This is also quite a young team. So in the future, uh, they have lots of room to grow. Their window is wide open for the next maybe five years until I'm not sure how long Lamar Jackson can keep running like this. Uh, there'll probably be seasons where he gets injured uh, given the amount he runs. But if he stays healthy, if the rest of this team stays healthy, no question in my mind. That's why you have someone like Trace McSorley, though. He, he's a reliable backup quarterback. Yeah. Everyone loves some Trace McSorley in there. He's a beast. But <laughs> one, one thing you didn't even mention, man, like Greg Roman, like, um, like very, I don't know. Very good I, OC. Oh, man, he's, he's arguably, he's, he's my favorite OC in the entire NFL. Like, how is he not gotten in a head coaching job? I, I don't, don't I don't get it. It's like don't Greg Roman has and Eric Behenevy has and all these good offensive coordinators and like someone like Brian DeBool didn't get a head coaching job. Just kind of fl- like, it's just wondering like, are they the not fuck? good at interviews because they're amazing offense minds and they call the offense. I mean, Eric Behenevy doesn't really call the offense, but Brian DeBool calls every single play for the Bills. Greg Roman call, calls the plays for the Ravens and those are two on the best offense in the league and they still, Greg Roman hasn't got a head coaching job in like three rounds of head coaching interviews. How does that, eat, man, unless like, he just not getting interviews. No, unless he's just loyal to Harbaugh. Sorry, Har Har Harborough. Harbaugh. Harbaugh. <laughs> unless he's like extremely loyal, like, okay, hey, yo, I'm not gonna accept any job. I like what we're building, which is fair. Um, hey, I agree, man. Well, one thing I was gonna, I was gonna, sorry, just chime in. I, I think T.J. Hawkinson's better than uh, than Mark Andrews. Already, really. Yeah, yeah, I, I'd say I, I, I'm comfortable. Really? I, I'm comfortable saying that. What do, what do you boys think? BMAC, what are your thoughts? I think I actually think he might be too. Uh, I love TJ Hawkinson. Um, he's gonna be elite. Uh, oh, if you see good. that, he already is. No, he's so talented. He's going to be better than Mark Andrews. Um, but as of right now, I still think Mark Andrews is my guy in that conversation. Uh, oh. Yeah, I think it's in the future, I think Hawk's probably going to be better next year. But I think right now, like Mark Andrews, what he's done in the league, Hawkinson didn't have a good uh, rookie year. He had a good second year last year. But now he's going to be getting Jared Goff throwing a football. So how do you know, how's that going to look? <laughs> when Jared Goff's under-throwing him, or over-throwing hey, him. Hey, hey, hey. 
So we, we each discussed our team, but as a whole, we decided the best constructed team. I know it's kind of waste. I know they just won the Super Bowl, but it is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, I can start it off. Their coaching is remarkable. They have Bruce Arians. They have a defensive coordinator, Todd Bowles, who should be a head coach. He's so talented. He's such a good defensive coordinator. And they have someone like Brian Leftwich, who's a great offensive mind. All Both those coordinators probably will get head coaching jobs within the next year. I wouldn't be shocked if they did. And then you have trench play, like I talked about in the Rams. They dominated the line of scrimmage in that Super Bowl. Every single play, they won the line of scrimmage on the defensive line, on the offensive line. They, their offensive line consists of Ryan Jensen, Ali Marpet, and Tristan Wirth. Tristan Wirth is an amazing tackle. He had probably one of the best ta- like rookie season tackles I've ever seen out of a, a prospect. He mauled the line of scrimmage. He literally mauled like defensive linemen, veterans in the NFL. Then you have that D-line. They have a lot of question marks in their D-line with in linebacker core with free agency. Like Shaquille Barrett's a free agent. Don Sue is a free agent. Levante David a free agent. But if we just look at this year in whole, I think they're the best constructed team because of the weapons they have on their defense, because of the weapons they have on offense, and they have the goat throwing the football and leading that offense. Yeah, name me yep. a position group where they are not uh, in the top 10. Maybe running can. back? Yeah. Um, other still, than that? Yeah. Free safety. <laughs> Antoine Winfield's the free safety. At that specific. <laughs> they have Jordan Whitehead at free safety. Um, mm. He's still not bad. Yeah. Like they have, they're talented all across the board. And like you're talking, Willie, in our conversation about the Super Bowl, that five to 12 range, they destroyed the Chiefs in that conversation. They had the best five to 12, 12 probably five to 15 best players in the field. Yep. They have talent. And like, if you look at the linebacker core, Levante David and Den White, arguably probably the best linebacker core in football. That offensive line is probably one of the best offensive lines of football. That mm-hmm. defensive line, that pass rush, Shaquille Barrett, Jason Pierre, Paul, who I forgot to mention. And then you have young talent and people like Antoine Winfield, Carlton Davis. That team is so talented, and the weapons they have on offense is ridiculous as well. And like I said, Tom Brady is a goat. He is a very talented. He's insane. He's the best quarterback of all time, and he's not going to make mistakes. And you put him in that offense with the best, one of the best events in the league. They are the best constructed team in the NFL. I don't think it's close, in my opinion. In, in my like, I I would say they're one of the most just talking straight talent talented teams in history. Yeah, like. They're- like <laughs> you got you we already ran through every single every single position group ridiculous yeah absolutely ridiculous if this team i know they're probably gonna lose some pieces i don't like they're gonna lose godwin shaquille barrett and love and david there's no way they have the cat space to retain three i think they let godwin walk they sell mike evans i think tom brady could turn any receiver into a good receiver not a knock on chris godwin chris godwin's one of the best receiver in the league but Scotty Miller looked like uh, all pro at some points because of Tom Brady. Exactly. He turns people into good receivers. That's what Brady does. And I think the most important thing is retaining Levante David and hopefully in Shaquille Barrett because that defense is so important and Brady will make that offense good no matter what. So we've talked about that. We have the Bucks, the best team, my best constructed teams are Rams. Willie's got the Cowboys, which is a little Cowboys, out there. Cowboys, 2022 Super Bowl champions. Yeah, wait till Dak gets injured. They don't resign him. Uh, <laughs> and then B-Max got the Ravens. So that's our conversation today. We are going to transform into our draft talk like we do every episode. And this week, we are focusing on wide receivers. 
wide receivers is an amazing prospect group. It's one of my favorite prospects groups in the draft because how deep it is in the talent at the top end. So when we look at it, we have the top three. We have Jalen Waddell, Jamar Chase, and Devontae Smith. And then we have mid-round, late first-round picks like Rashad Bateman, like Rondell Moore. And then there's sleepers in the draft that we're going to get into soon. So, Willie, why don't you take it away in that top three conversation? Who is that number one receiver in the draft? Great question. It's a good question. <laughs> for, for me, evaluating wide receivers is a little bit difficult because um, every team has their own uh, core that they've already assembled. And I honestly believe wide receivers kind of like assembling a basketball team. Um, you have to have, you know, your, your small guys, you got to have your Scotty Millers and you have to have, you know, your, your big guys like the Kenny Galladay. So it's tricky. Uh, the best wide receiver in the draft, like I, when I was watching Chase last year, <laughs> the guy can, can straight up ball, He's a but, um, I love Devonte Smith. He, he's, he's my guy. Uh, he's just ridiculously, ridiculously future dolphin, man. Like <laughs> He, he is his tape okay when i when i look at a wide receiver i'm looking for someone's tape that pops like yeah. that, that are making plays consistently and he, he just kept on doing it um and, and i actually that's a question i have for both of you so when, when you're evaluating wide receivers what do you what traits are you look for, look for the most i'm looking I, for someone who can separate at every single level of the field so yeah. uh we'll we'll talk about this a little bit later but out of value that you can get at the wide receiver position in this draft, Rashad Bateman is by far my favorite receiver. Uh, obviously, not my top guy. He's number four on my list. But in terms of the value he will provide at the position he's drafted, he is my favorite. He is a great separator yeah. at every single level, has a great release. Uh, and so separation is the biggest thing yeah. that I look at. I also look at uh, guys who can have contested catches, uh, and then, of course, uh, you want to look at speed because that's a, a trait that really separates some of the best uh, receivers in the game. Yeah, when I'm looking, I think separation, like B-Max said, is so important. I think the big thing with Devontae Smith is people are saying he's a small body, smaller frame, and they're still putting knocks on when he put up that Heisman season. It's very rare that a receiver wins a Heisman. And I don't care that he's small. I don't care that he's undersized. He can separate. He can separate the line of scrimmage. He can separate in the middle of the field. He can high point the football at his size. He is such a complete prospect. And I know that knock is size, but route running will show itself the NFL level. I don't care if he's smaller and gets joined at the line of scrimmage. With his route running, with his ability to separate off cornerbacks, he will be successful because of his abilities, his abilities he, he knows. He is such a talented re receiver. He can I just, uh, I love Devontae Smith. I want him as a Miami Dolphin. Uh, I don't want him at three, but I want them to trade back. I want Devontae Smith to reconnect it to a time of He's my favorite prospect in the draft. He's my number one on the board. But I think when you're looking at it, it's not only, these are all top 10 picks. They're 1A, 1B, 1C. Now, I think the number one receiver off the board is going to go off need. Chase is that big one-on-one -on -one receiver. Smith's that route runner, that separated. And Waddle's that pure speed burner. He can play in the slot. He can play on the outside. I think the number one receiver off the board is going to be who decides to take a receiver first. What's so two questions. What's your top, what's your big board? Your top five. I got Smith. Going to hate me. Waddle chase. That's my man. Boy is come on, man. Okay. Here. The reason I is I don't want to list here. Yeah. We all have different. The reason is I love chase. I think he's very talented, but the reason I picked Waddle 
if Waddle doesn't get injured, he has a better season than Devontae Smith, and he's in that number one conversation. It is. He has top-end speed. When you're looking at talent through a season in the league, they're going to look at speed. Jalen Waddle ran a 4-2-9 in his freshman year. He ran a 4-2-9. He has top-end speed. In his four, first four games with Alabama this year, he had like 550 receiving yards. I love Chase. I think he's going to be very good. I think he could be the number one receiver off the board. If Smith doesn't sit out a year, he is the number one receiver. He put up 1,800 yards in this, in 20 touchdowns this sophomore year. I, I flip-flopped everything. I just like Waddle's upside because of his speed, and I think he could be – he has probably the most unique skill set in the draft, Jalen Waddle, in my opinion. So my top five are number one, Jamar Chase, number two – same as Boyas, Jalen Waddle, and you're not oh going to like this. I have Devontae Smith all the way at three. Oh um, he's the same size as me. Pretty much. He's five pounds heavier and an inch taller. And that's yeah. with college measurements where they kind of give you a little wiggle room there. He's probably not that much bigger than me. And that scares me because I would get killed. Now, he obviously, he runs a 4-4. I run like a 5, whatever. <laughs> but yeah. i don't want to be able to compare the size of a prospect to the same size as me i think that's a good point because when you look at chase's big measurable it's his one-on-one -on -one receiver like it's his one-on-one -on -one ability to high point the football and he has good college size but he doesn't have like that big receiver nfl size he's i'm not putting a knock on chase because i think he's gonna be very good in the league but he's a high point receiver but he's at six feet 205 when you look at Smith and Waddle, they don't have the size, but they have traits that Chase doesn't possess, like the Smith route running and Waddle pure on speed. I think Chase is a very, very talented prospect, but yeah. My Who's opinion. your four and five, BMAC? I have Rashad Bateman four, and uh, I'm, I'm big on tiers drafting. He's closer to Devontae Smith than he is to my number five, who is Rondell Moore. Um, yeah. who is, Rondell Moore is special with the ball in his hands. This guy yeah. is a freak. Yeah, let's talk about him because I think I I kind of mentioned how Waddle's most unique skill set, but I'm going back. Rondo Moore has the most unique yeah. skill set because he can play. He's just a gadget player. He's so fast. He's so shifty, so elusive. And those are traits you cannot teach people. You cannot teach people to be Rondo Moore because he is so elusive with the football. When he gets the ball in the open field, he will not go down. It's so hard to tackle him. Yes, he has. He's limited with his size. He's five nine, like one. 175, 180, but he is so quick. He's so fast. And he's so elusive. Question, question. Um, you're a general manager. Who would you rather have, Debo Samuel or Rondell Moore? Uh, I mean, probably right now, uh, I think probably Rondell Moore just because he's really? young. Really? He's young. He's, he's a rookie coming Rondell in. The, just because you don't know his upside. We've seen what Curtis Samuel done. Curtis Samuel's a gadget player, but... No, no Debo Samuel. Debo. Oh, sorry, sorry. Uh, Debo Samuel's young as well, bro. Yeah, uh, that's a tough. Uh, <laughs> that's a tough question. I'd probably go Debo Samuel now. I thought you, I thought you meant Curtis Samuel, but Debo Samuel just because of the year he had with Jimmy Garoppolo throwing the football. But yeah, I agree, man. His tape pops. That, yeah. it's like he's crazy. I am worried about his down the field. Uh, yeah. Stuff he, I think his average depth of target at Purdue was like seven. Yeah, they just tried. They, they got this they guy the ball, ball as quick play. as they can yeah. whenever they could. Uh, so they didn't really throw it to him downfield too much, which I am slightly worried about. But uh, whoever gets him in the NFL is probably going to do the same thing. They just want the ball in this kid's hands. He's special. 
Yeah. So can I ask you guys a question? Go um, for it. So who do, the, who do the Cowboys draft that receiver? <laughs> I, I, when I when I was like doing my research about like upcoming wide receivers on this crop, what, what are your guys' thoughts on um, drafting a wide receiver in the first round? So I you think, were saying you didn't like this. Yeah, I, I don't mind it at all. I don't either. There's been great wide receivers in the first round. Uh, I really like drafting wide receiver in the second round, uh, yeah. but I don't mind first round at all. I think it all depends on the how you rate a prospect. I don't think it matters as a GM if you take a raw receiver. If you rate that prospect, if he's your best prospect on the available, I don't care what position it is, you take him. If a running back's your number one prospect on the board and you're picking out like eight or seven and you want to take him, take him. I think it all depends on how individual GMs evaluate. As a GM, I if I was a GM in that position, I think I would take one just because how important receivers are. I know they're expendable. I know you can get them in late rounds but it's very hard to pass off when you get an elite talent receiver. We saw the difference an elite wide receiver makes. Look at the Buffalo Bills. Look at what Stefan Diggs did for Josh Allen. Stefan Diggs turned Josh Allen into an MVP candidate. He turned Josh Allen to one of the best QBs in the league. I'm not saying Josh Allen didn't have any part of that, but Stefan Diggs is a big part in transforming the Bills offense. Well, the thing is, like, wide receivers, they're so tricky, man. Like, yeah, they, they, some of them hit, some of them don't hit. Like, I honestly, That's in every feel... position, yeah, it's it's every position, and I there, I think the reason people are hesitant to take receivers because there's so many of them, there's yeah, so many receivers the in the draft. But you don't get if you have a receiver as your number one talent who has a skill set like a like him like a Jalen Waddle like a Devontae Smith like a Jamar Chase I think you have to take them in the first round these are three receivers that we could see in the top 12 I would say they could someone could fall but I'd say these three receivers are taking the top 12 could be taking the top 10 yep absolutely Just because in the first round I think Rashad Bateman somewhere in is. that fifth probably that 18 that lower second round like first round like 18 to 30 I think someone like the Colts, I could see taking him at 22. I think they're getting another weapon for Carson Wentz. I think that's a good option for him. Somewhere in that 18 to 30 range, you can see Richard Bateman going. So before we transition to their two-minute warning, I just want to talk about, we talked about the top three. We talked about Ronda Moore, talked about Rashad Bateman. I want to hear a sleeper receiver you guys have in the draft. Someone you think is going to be that second round, who could be the DK Metcalf of this draft? Uh, Yeah. Well, he's not the biggest sleeper in the world, but... Um, I put on Elijah Moore's tape yesterday, and I was absolutely stunned. Like, I, I'm a big yeah. fan of this guy. I, th- I think he can ball. Um, he's short. He's 5'9". But, like, w- one thing you often see in hockey is, like, for example, Atemi Panarin, he got passed on so many times. Like, I, I think he went on undrafted or was drafted in, like, the sixth, seventh round because yeah. he's so short. So, uh, like, I, I wonder if this, this individual is dropping because of his height and if that's going to have – Maybe a positive effect um, on his play. Um, maybe he'll be okay. a sleeper as a result. But yeah, he he he's probably my sleeper. Um, BMAC. Yeah, I don't think Elijah Moore goes too deep in the draft. He'll probably still end up in the second, maybe the third round. Uh, but if we're going a little deeper, I like Sage Sharat. Yeah, I don't know yeah. if you've even heard of him. Uh, From Wake Forest, he didn't right? play. He didn't play this. Uh, year um very i think he might have played a couple games but uh he didn't really play this year he's a very very good contested catch guy and he was very good in the senior bowl uh he kind of reminds me a little bit of a kenny galladay uh, yeah 
type receiver where you just toss it up there and he will go and get it. Um, but you're going to get this guy. I mean, since he didn't play this year, the range of outcomes where he falls in the draft Three. could be huge. Someone Three. could really like him and yeah. get him earlier, but this could be fourth round guy. I don't know. Yeah. I like, I like Elijah more. I like Sage Charette. But my guy, you hear it here first, Dwayne Eskridge. Dwayne Eskridge yep. will be the steal yep. of his draft. I told, I yep. talked about this the other day. Willie put on his tape. This guy yep. is special. He is my one of my favorite prospects in the draft. I'm not saying he's my he's up there in my receiver board, but he's one of my favorite prospects group because of the intangibles he possesses. He's an insane route runner. He can separate all field parts of the field, and he has insane speed. He ran a 4-3-2 in college, and I wouldn't be surprised to see him run a sub-4-3 on his pro day. The only knock on him, he's 23 years old. He's a bit older. He played five years in college because he had an injury sophomore season. But Dwayne Eskridge from Western Michigan, that's right, Western Michigan, not Michigan, is my sleep in this draft. I could see him going late second round, uh, fall into the third, but I think he could be one of the better receivers in the draft, and I think he's going to be a very successful guy, and I want the Dolphins to take him in the second round. I, man, like you, so you told me about this guy in our meeting earlier this week, and I put on his tape. Fuck me, like, like <laughs> fuck me, like this guy is wildly. He's almost like, like the best way I'd explain him is wildly explosive. He's explosive, yeah. but he's a little bit wild in, in his like in his movements, and he's twitchy, and he he, he reminds me of Tyreek Hill a little bit. But yeah. I, I think honestly, even if he doesn't become the best wide receiver in the NFL, I honestly believe. He can be a Pro Bowl, perennial okay. Pro Bowl special teams player. Yeah, he's gonna, he's might not be that like number one receiver like day one because I don't think that's him. I think he's someone no. that's gonna play in the slot, put him on the outside to run deep routes. But immediately he's gonna improve your your special teams. He's gonna be a punt returner. He's gonna be a kick returner, and he's gonna be a guy that can get you maybe two two touchdowns on the special teams because he has that explosive top end speed to take the ball to the house. Like you put on that special teams, and I know. If you're drafting someone in the second round to be a special team starter, you're going to think that's waste. But special teams are so important. He's going to play in the receiving game. But if you put him at special teams, he's going to immediately improve your special teams. And that could be game-changing with his yep. speed. Yep. yep. So that's our talk on the receivers. Wait, wait, so, wait. I'm sorry. 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 I'm going to pause you right there. Just before we go on. Uh, one thing I was looking at, um, Justin Ross, dude can yeah. fucking ball and john Beckie, the third can also absolutely like that's my guy for next year but yeah next year next year is a wide receiving cast, yeah john mechie from brampton ontario let's go i Seems love like every year now these wide receivers coming out maybe it's because everyone wants to play wide receiver now uh but these wide receivers coming out every year are just every class is elite now oh, oh I this know. year <laughs> last year and the next year the question is, how many first-rounders is Alabama, like, going to have by this, Jeez, the end of time? Like, they have so many first-round receivers. Like, last year, what did they They had Judy. They had Ruggs. They're going to have Smith. They're going to have Waddle. They have Mechie next year. It's probably will be a first-rounder. I assume they had Amari Cooper, Calvin Ridley. Like, the list is endless. Who, like, Nick Saban's recruiting ability at the wide receiver position is insane because he recruits five-star recruits in first-round draft picks like it's no tomorrow. What do you guys like more, uh, Chase or Ross? Jamar Chase or Justin Ross, you said? Yeah, yeah. Oh, Jamar we, Chase. Jamar, Jamar Chase, Chase. BMAC? Yeah. No question, Jamar yeah, Chase. Just yeah, Justin, yeah. Justin Ross is coming off, like, neck surgery. And, like, like so, like, he was very talented in his, I think it was his junior, people, sophomore year. But he's coming off, like, life-threatening, like, neck injury. So People oh, forget that Jamar Chase was better than Justin Jefferson. Last year, yeah. Oh, yeah. When he was 19. 
And yeah. Justin Jefferson had the best rookie season yeah, ever at the wide receiver position. Yeah. How good is this guy going to be in the NFL? That's why yeah. he's number one, too. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. mean, like, now yeah. that you're saying that, like, I yeah, always flip-flop. Like, when I started my big board, I had Chase number one. And I, yeah. I, I flip-flop so many times. I know I said I have Chase on my three and Smith on my one. But it's so interchangeable for me i one day i'll have chase at one one day i'll have Waddle at one you can't go wrong with that top three they're gonna be very talented i don't think these guys can be a bust because they they're such different receivers and they possess intangibles that are being successful at the nfl level so i think that's our talk on wide receivers so we went through qbs and receivers uh tomorrow we're gonna be talking about linebackers so get ready for that conversation it's a great core so that's core Best core. I like the core. So without further ado, we have reached the two-minute warning. Last week, Willie couldn't stump us with his question, so I'm going to try to, to stump you boys with this. What is the last wide receiver to be taken in the top five of the NFL draft? Corey Davis? Willie? Shit. Oh, I'll let Willie answer first. Take your time here. Take your time. Not like we're <laughs> no one's listening I, I, here. I, think, I guess Corey, is it not Corey Davis? It, it's Corey Davis. And do you know where Corey Davis is from? Western Michigan, like Dwayne Eskridge. There's another fun fact for you. Yeah, Corey, Corey Davis turned out great. Although he's, he, had, he had a good start this year, so yeah. I can't knock him too much. Since but, uh since you guys that one, I'll see if you uh can stump on this one. Corey Davis is taking 2017. There's only one other receiver to be taking the top five since 2012 can you name that other guy i can i'll let you go first with the, this time though willie oh for fuck's sake man <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> yeah i'm stumped I, I don't got it bmac it's amari right he went yeah, fourth amari cooper went fourth to the the oak with oakland raiders out of alabama like i mentioned Sammy so, Watkins went like seven too, right? Yeah, he was up there. But yeah, I think he went early. There's a couple of receivers that went early, but that's kind of that new, new, new day now that receivers are kind of going that top 10 more often. So that is all the time we have today. Thank you for listening. We'll be back tomorrow with a special NHL preview for you boys. So thank you for listening. Take it easy, everyone.